Hey, Gabriel Blake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? I am in San Francisco in the same place on the same couch. Never going to move, ever. That's funny because this should be like your New Year proposition. Uh, that's because what I was just thinking. The... <laughs> I mean, last year it was not a proposition, but you didn't do it either. <laughs> you mentioned like multiple times that you were going to move, but you didn't. One day. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't matter much because I'm also in the same spot. I haven't moved one day. I will move for now. I foresee myself staying <laughs> in the same spots. Me too. Yeah, Me doesn't too. matter. Um, but in any case, it's a new year, same place, and uh, we we actually like decided to rewatch something. I am the kind of person that I don't like to rewatch things. I think that I told you because I always had the feeling that it's never going to be like capturing the feeling of the first time that I watch it. The law of diminishing returns is real. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not only that, but you're not going to be the same person as when you watch it like the first time. So you don't know if it's going to be like resonating more or less. And I don't want to taint what it was like the initial impression or something. But recently, as we were mentioning on the, at the end of the previous podcast, it's like a, a Edward Norton's Glass Onion, a nice mis- a Knives Out Mystery by Daniel Craig was released. <laughs> and we mentioned that we both really like A Knives Out when it came out. And I remember like even like, feeling surprised about both of us enjoying. Sometimes I feel like we're a bit highbro and this was supposed to be like just playing entertainment. It doesn't try to do like any kind of life shattering or anything. It's like it's a movie that knows what it's trying to do. That is a homage to the classic Agatha Christie stories. Yeah, I so think I without like, really the, the killer cast, like if it was just Captain America and some other people, I would not have watched this. But enough, like Tony Collette. Um, yeah, yep, that's I'll it. watch. Yep. <laughs> uh, I do like this director, but yeah, this is not typically our sort of thing. Yeah, but uh, it worked like so well that I was wondering how it would be like just watching it now. You know, like watching it now, like three years later, a pandemic later, and especially like when a new part is out, is like how would it be to actually just like revisit something that we found enjoyable? Is it something that it would have like these diminishing returns? It would be like something that it would still like feel fresh. Um, I don't know. I was like super curious. Instead of asking you, it's like, hey, let's watch Glassonian, and that's it. It's like, it's, let's just watch again where this came from. And you saw it in theaters, right? I saw it in theaters, yeah. so we saw it like the summer of 2019, so almost four years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, as this was my pick, I think that you have to summarize it. Um, so, this is a classic whodunit. Um, so, I guess we can do spoilers. All right, I'm just going to do my best. I feel like a lot of detail here isn't worth it because that's the fun of the movie and I'm not going to remember all the details. But the story centers around a family um, that is... The patriarch is Harlan Thromby, played by Christopher Plummer. He is essentially the male Agatha Christie. He has had this enormously successful career as a mystery writer. And he lives in this... It's not creepy, but it's like an old mansion. Not creepy, but like... It makes sense a murder mystery is going to take place in this house. It reminded me like quite a bit of uh, this movie that I asked you, you had watched like during the uh, 
is Lilf. Is Lut? Yes, Slut. Is Lut. Yeah. Because it was also like a bit more of a house design for one of these mysteries. Because yeah. the whole house is like just plugged with details like from his books. So he has, I think, four children that either are married or are widowed and and a couple grandchildren. Um, and they all come to the house for, well, they all come for the, the reading of the will and most of them come for the funeral. Um, well, no, I mean this, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I jumped a, a few steps forward. So he has yeah, yeah, an in-home nurse played by the actress that's in absolutely everything now. Um, Anna de Armas, yeah. Yes, Anna de Armas. She plays an, the child of immigrants. That is important later. Uh, the child of illegal immigrants. Um, but she is based Undocumented. On, undocumented. Nobody is illegal. Undocumented immigrants. Um, so Marta is Anna de, Palma, uh, Anna de Armas's name. She actually becomes very good friends with him, and she's genuinely a good person, and she wants nothing for the best for him. Um, however, when she is injecting his nightly medication, she mixes up the bottles, or the bottles are mixed up, um, and she actually accidentally gives him an incredibly high dose of morphine when he wasn't supposed to get that. So he is going to die. The clock is counting down. The Narcan she's supposed to have to, in case of an accidental overdose, is missing. Um, so he ends up... Sorry, I'm trying to figure out how much to share. All right, this has been out for four years. He ends up <laughs> slitting his throat and arranging for her to get out of the house without any suspicion that she messed up because this was an honest yeah. accident and she didn't want to have to explain it. So she escapes the house even when it's full of, of Harlan's entire family. Um, and then we... Because it was like the 80th anniversary party, like the early birthday or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so that, oh yeah, so the whole family was there. Um, yeah. And then because of his death, the incredibly famous Cajun detective, played by James Bond, with the most obnoxious accent, not inaccurate, it's a good accent, but it's obnoxious as hell, um, he comes in to solve the mystery. And so we get to know the family. Turns out they're all pieces of shit. They all have motive to kill him. Um, and we slowly find out that Harlan had let everybody know individually at the party that he was basically firing him, firing them from their publishing house, cutting them off from money, that he was making a clean break from all these people. And you can add anything that I'm missing out, but essentially the rest of the fun of the film is getting to know these characters and um, watching what is his name? Daniel Craig solved the mystery. Yeah. So basically, Daniel Craig, one stupid thing is that I mention is that most of the movie is actually seen through the eyes of Daniel Craig or Anna de Armas. Yes. Two. Yeah. Is that we're giving like that information that they actually get, and uh, Daniel Craig actually pairs with Anna de Armas without knowing that she's supposed to be the killer of uh, of uh, the patriarch. Because she cannot lie. If she lies, she throws up. <laughs> I know that it's a stupid thing that like any other. If we were watching like a movie from the 80s, it's that this could be like super gross. But it's like somehow they make it work and being enjoyable on the screen. Yeah, and I agree. It's like so that. absurd. It's over the top ridiculous, but it works. 
it works. And it's, everything is like a cat and dog, cat, sorry, like cat and mouse kind of game about like another armies like trying not to lie and hide that she did what she did. And Daniel Craig like trying to figure it out exactly what happened. Yes. And so slowly over the course of the film, like any whodunit, we're given more and more information about what actually happened that night with Harlan and his nurse, Marta. And we're also given more and more information about private conversations held amongst the family. Um, but but I do enjoy the plot device that we see almost everything from the point of view of uh, Benoit Blanc is uh, Daniel Craig's yeah. character and Marta. Yeah. Yeah, and I, uh, I have to say something that I appreciated now that I was like watching it again is that this is a super link movie. I think that it's like, what, two hours? Yeah, it's not that long. It's not that long, but two hours and ten minutes. It's, it's long enough, you know? But the thing is, like, it's super link. Every single scene, I was like, just like paying attention, is that every single scene is like for developing the characters or for moving the, uh, the story forward. Is that there is barely no fat. And this is like, at the same time, I find like commendable about like, hey, you're doing like a two hours and 10 minutes movie that is like super dynamic. It's like, I, it didn't feel like two hours and 10 minutes. It, it felt like 70 minutes. I would say exactly what I told you like the first time that I watched it on the cinema is that it ended and I wanted more. I wanted like an extended cut that I could see like more of Tony Collette, more of Jamie Curtis. Yeah, in fact, that's what I was just going to add is that at no point did I want this film to end, but at a few points, I was like, I want to spend more time with this character. Like, I want to learn more about, like, there's this hilarious comedian, Ricky Lindholm, who plays Donna Thrombley, who is, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on names, Michael Shannon's wife. And she's amazing. Like, she's a really good actress, and I think she must have had more. Yeah. Yeah, she's like the one from uh, Ghost and Garfunkel. Yes, that's the one. She does lots of musical yeah, comedy. Yeah. But yeah, like show me more scenes with Tony Collette. Even um, even Captain America, I thought was really good in this. Chris Evans. Yeah, Garfunkel and Oates. Yeah, Garfunkel and Oates was it. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, Don yeah, Johnson, I... they were all incredible. All of them. Yeah, it's like the cast was perfect, you know, like the characters were like just pretty well like portrayed, I don't know, it's like everything was like, hey, this is amazingly well crafted for being like just pure blockbuster entertainment. And maybe the smarter, you know, it's like it's a good twist without like giving away like the full twist, but it's like it's a good twist over the regular like whodunit kind of mystery. So I think at this point we have to mention the director because this director, Ryan Johnson, started out with some really kind of experimental films. My personal favorite is Brick, which I will at some point make you watch. It stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It has a completely unique like lexicon that they use. Uh, it's almost like um, A Clockwork Orange, how they have all their own slang. They have that throughout this film, and it's a very dark um, noir whodunit and set in a high school. Um, he did The Brothers Grimm, which had an amazing cast. Looper, which I actually really liked. And then he oh, did... Oh, I did like Looper, yeah. I, I, I don't think it was as good as like Knives Out, for instance, but it was a solid action film. Did you like it more than 12 Monkeys? 
I probably haven't seen Looper since 2012. So 10 years. I don't remember it that well. I, if I had to guess, I would say I like 12 Monkeys more. I would be willing to watch it again. I remember like just leaving saying, eh, this is not 12 Monkeys and it's a similar kind of thing. Well, maybe I'll go rewatch it. I just remember leaving it 2012. I was at the height of pretension and thinking, <laughs> okay, that was a solid action film. All right. And sci-fi. It's sci-fi, and I don't like sci-fi. Um, Just a fun piece of trivia. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has been in every feature-length film Ryan Johnson has done, including Knives Out, where he... I don't know if you remember, but after Harlan dies, we see Marta in her home with her sister and her mother, and the sister is watching a true crime documentary, and you're hearing about how someone is murdered on the television, that's Joseph Gordon-Levitt's voice. Wow. Okay, I have to say that on the cast for uh, for uh, Glass Onion, Edward Norton's Glass Onion, there is no Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's in it, and I will tell you when he's in it in the next podcast. <laughs> Don't cheat. Don't look it up. Oh! <laughs> you son of so a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's amazing. That 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 is even better than in Knives. <laughs> okay, um, but no, I was. I think that now at this point, and it's not that we have changed like so much in the last four years, but we have watched like so many movies in the last four years that I was feeling that like, dude, I'm going to be like just feeling like this is not like quality cinema, and I just felt like this is really well crafted this is like just properly i mean it's not a tar you know let's just be honest it's not so ambitious but it's like for what he's trying to do i just felt it's like hey this guy really understand like what are the elements of just doing entertaining kind of movies like hodanic kind of movies but just doing a script that i felt like i mean it's not tarantino or anything like that it's not like so ambitious but he crafts like this kind of a house of cars and I cannot find... I mean, of course, there are like some parts that you feel like, okay, this really requires like some suspension of disbelief, but I found it like an amazing roller coaster, like a ride that I didn't want to get off. I agree. I, um, in our last episode, we talked about how there's often a gap between where a film is and where it wants to be, and then we talked about do we want to be where the film wants to be? In this case, I feel like all the film wanted to be was um, cleverly entertaining, and it completely succeeded. And so I would call this elevated whodunit. It's not like art. It's not like I'm not going to think about this film nonstop about, oh, I learned so much about myself or whatever. But (laughs) in terms of like top tier entertaining murder mystery, this is it. Like it doesn't get better than this, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I fully agree. Uh, also, I so want to call out that Brian Johnson wrote the script, and he flushed out such fully developed characters that had... And the actors are incredible, but they had such personality. Um, what is the line that Tony Collette... She has this line where she looks back over her shoulder and she says something, and I'm like... Oh this is everything like show me more of tony collette <laughs> saying something sassy um i love i love the comparison between like tony collette and jamie lee curtis characters when uh, tony collette says 
and I was making jokes on the previous podcast <laughs> about like, oh, you are that guy. I remember reading a tweet about an article from the New Yorker <laughs> that you actually solved that thing with the ballet. And said, yeah, I'm the guy. And then Tony Collette is like, I read an article in the New Yorker where you actually, and he develops like the whole thing that is like, okay, yeah, that's interesting how he's actually presenting the characters. They are not only archetypes is that he fleshed them out like way more than they actually needed. Yep, they were real characters and I wanted to spend more time with them and I ate up every moment they were on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that uh, what we were discussing earlier, I had like the same feeling that is like when it was over, I didn't want it to be over. It's not that I wanted to watch like the, whole, the same movie, but it's like I wanted to remain like in that world. And it's that like, the movie does like a bit more of what you would expect if you were like a private detective. It's like, hey, I'm just dropping here to solve this shit. Is that these are real people, and then I disappear, and I never know anything of them. It's that like they are just left to their own devices. I don't care. My role is done. Which is a theme we kind of continue explore, exploring in Glass Onion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, should we go over the questions? Let's do it. Alright. Uh, would you watch it again? Yeah, this is a super fun movie. I, I see it kind of as like a great ride at Disneyland. Would I go on that ride again? Yeah. Fuck yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah. Super fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly what it was like just feeling about like you have like the ups and downs, you know, but you have like this story that is like going along and it's like when you're done, it's like you're like, eh, I would drive it again, you know, especially if there is not a line in front of it. Exactly. Uh, yeah, would you recommend it? Yeah, I would recommend this to basically anyone. Usually my criteria for this question is like if I would recommend it to my parents. And I went like a step right beyond this and I watched it with my parents over the uh, over the holidays. And I, you know, I just started the movie. Initially I was going to be like watching it in English, you know, with subtitles. And then my father, as soon as he actually just heard like the first word in English, like can't we just change the language <laughs> to Spanish on this? <laughs> so then I, I was I, I was with my boyfriend too, and, uh, and I was telling his like, hey, actually, Daniel Craig, that he's as British as it gets, is that he does like a Southern American accent, and he does it like pretty well, you know? So it's like it's a bit surprising. I think that it's like part of the character, of the character building, that he has this kind of swag of a Southern gentleman. And, uh, we didn't like get it until, and that was like one well, of the reasons why I, when my parents told me like the following day, they love it so much. They said, "Why don't we watch another movie?" And at that point, I was like, "We could watch Glassonia, but I don't want to watch it in Spanish." I feel a bit of a jerk now thinking about it. It's like, hey, I could have like given like this, enjoying like another movie with my parents, having like another like roller coaster ride with them, and I was like. You guys don't want to read. How did so they? Sorry. How did they dub the voice of Daniel Craig's character? Neutral, like Just completely neutral. neutral. Okay, there is no, no accent. accent. Yeah, and that's like the part that I felt is that hey, the accent is so good. It's so out of what you expect out of Daniel Craig. It's not that it's bad. It's actually like pretty good, but. I just felt like, uh, no, I, I rather, I rather hear his accent. <laughs> I actually just traveled as well, and I was asking my husband nonstop for days, let's watch Glass Onion today, let's watch Glass Onion today, and he, he was like, yeah, we will, and then we never did, so I watched it on the plane back home, Oh, okay. and then the day we got home, he was like, why don't we watch Glass Onion, and I was like, okay, I've never seen it. <laughs> 
So I watched like, it a second time. Oh, okay. Like with a face of surprise. Oh my god, I didn't expect that. He would uh, be like, oh, did you see yeah. that clue? I'm like, yeah, I saw it last time too. Don't. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I saw it yesterday. I saw that clue yesterday. Uh... So, but with my parents, it's like it got to a point that we started. We were talking, you know, like normal. So we were supposed to just like start watching the movie like at ten, and we ended up like started watching it at, like at eleven. My parents never go to bed like after midnight. When it was midnight, my mother was like, "Oh, I'm starting to feel like a bit tired. I think that I'm going to go to bed." She went to the bedroom. She changed to her pajamas, and then she came back. We were like, "No, I really want to know how it's going to end." Oh, I wish somebody took a picture of the three of you watching the movie in your pajamas. <laughs> The four, the four, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, your sister was there? Yeah. No, 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 my boyfriend was there. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, 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 the four of us. Uh, but yeah, it was it was cool, and they really enjoyed it, and I just felt... They felt a bit, like, uh, partially horrified by some of the violence. And the violence is not, like, to the camera, honestly. But, like, when uh, one of the characters, like, shows dead, like, towards the end of the movie, is that they were like, <gasps> like, oh my god, how gruesome. <laughs> and like at the end, when there is like this a scene with a knife, is that they were like, oh my god, that guy is crazy. So it was like adorable to watch you like see them like react and narrate like what was happening on the screen. Oh, that makes me happy. Ryan yeah. Johnson bringing families together over murder. <laughs> yeah, I had to say that Glassoni, I think that you have been like a bit more. Save it, Convoluted. save it, save it for next. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. yeah. Uh, would you remember Nice Out? Yeah, I mean, it's only been four years, or three and a half years since the first screening, but I remembered good a good portion of this film, so yes, it's memorable. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not completely... Sh- I mean, I didn't remember, like, all of the, how do you say, like, twists. I remember, like, uh, what was, like, the end state, about, like, where it landed at the end. But yeah, I think that I remember like enough that if in five years someone asked me, is like, hey, what was this about? Is that I could actually just summarize it like pretty well. Um, is there anything artistic about it? In that I called this movie an elevated whodunit, yes. It's the world he managed to write and bring to life, that takes a lot of craft. And I think the performances were exceptional across the board. Even that girl from 13 Reasons. Um, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. The answer is yes. Yeah, I would go with yes too. I agree with you. It's not that it's like artistic, like when we're talking about EO. It's like, it has these things, you know, like these aspirations, these like... No, but it's like everything that it does, it does it in such a well-crafted way yep. that I th- think that there is like it's an art, it's a craft, you know, that is behind this. And it's not copying by the book what a whodunit mystery is. So, uh, is it a timeless piece? Yes. Yeah. As long as whodunit mysteries exist, this could still be a timeless piece. Yeah, I was trying to think of anything that roots it in a specific point in time. Not really. There's no technology, there's no, like, current... Of issues it's addressing. The thing with this movie is like until the point that someone shows a phone is that you could think that it's like from 40 years ago. Yeah. There is some references like to like so- uh, the son of one of them being an alt-right 
Nazi. That was that was pretty oh, yeah. funny. <laughs> uh, but you can actually just call him a Nazi. You, should, yes. you don't have to call it Armike. Is that that term has been existing for a while? Uh, in other words, you can just call it a fascist. Before that, but um, yeah, I think that the uses of phones is not critical for the story. No, not at all. At some point, uh, the Thirteen Reasons girl calls uh, Marta on a cell phone, and I think that's really it. It could be like a landline. I don't know if there are like some texts that they exchange, but yeah, no, nothing like too big that it couldn't be replaced by a letter or something. And actually, it's like a letter is like one of the most important pieces, like letter exchanging. Yes, yes. So, uh, would you turn this into a TV show? I could actually see this being turned into a really smart, like, mini-series, like six-hour-long episodes on HBO. Like, I think there's enough there, there's enough characters, there's enough... I, I might get tired of waiting to see who done it, but I would I would watch six hours of this. Yeah. My answer is exactly the same. It's like, if this is the way of getting more of these characters... I'll take it. Yep. You know, if I can have like a episode dedicated, only an hour dedicated to Tony Collette. That's what I was thinking. I two episodes. Two episodes just her. Yeah. <laughs> just her. Uh, yeah, and as you're saying, it's like it's true that you have like that anticipation. Where it's like, okay, who really did it? You know, it's like what is the version that uh, that sticks to this? Um, but I think that it would be fine. You know, it would be fine with the idea of uh, just waiting and just getting like more and more into this world. Because as you said, it's like it's a well-crafted world. It's not only like a eh, random story. And as much as I hate this platitude, this really is about the ride or the journey, not the destination. Yeah, destination. It's just yeah. super fun. Yeah. Uh, could this have been a sort? I don't think so. I think all of the complexity of the characters and their interactions I, I that's the that's the source of this of this being so good in my opinion so no yeah no i agree for me it's like a this couldn't have been a sorting anyway yeah. is that it would have fallen apart directly if you try to actually like remove like some of the development of the characters it's going to be telling you like this movie doesn't have any fat yeah, that I'm mind blown by it. It's like everything is like just like crafted. All of the pieces are connected in a way for just like making like the resolution work. And during the time, it's like enjoying this ride. It's like I don't want to remove like arcs of this. The only character that I feel is like, eh, this can, doesn't really matter. Is like the alt right kid. Well, that's why I think so. The alt right kid, the the mom of the alt right kid, like. And I, th I even think, like, Michael Shannon's character had more. Like, there was clearly a lot more source material that they cut out to they keep the film, yeah. like you said, with no fat. Um, I would be fine watching a fat version of this, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I should remember, like, searching when we watched this movie originally, if there was, like, a director's cut, there is not. Oh. But it's the, it's the kind of movie that is like, I, I would have watched this. It's like, just fuck, like, uh, the Lord of the Rings extended versions. It's like, I don't give a shit about that. You know, it's like, I want, like, two more hours of this. One of us will have to buy the Blu-ray and see if, at the very least, there are deleted scenes. Mm, sure. I, I'm not sure. This should, this should be a Criterion Collection edition of this. It's no Armageddon. I'm just going to leave it at that. That's... No, that's true. Yeah, yeah, and he's not election either. <laughs> You're such a hater. So, 
<laughs> I like election, to be to be frank. I don't know if I like it criterion like it, but yeah. Uh, do you think that this movie could have been better? This movie knives out, not election. Knives out. Honestly, the only thing I would say is like he could have tacked on another 30 minutes, and I would have been great, great with that. Um, I okay. I. I've said it like five times at this point, but I think there were more to the characters that they cut out, and I would like to see what that was. That's it. I was going to go with no, but I think that I'm going to go with yes, not from the perspective that I think that is bad, but I don't think that it would have damaged this movie when it was like so well-crafted, if in the same careful way he had extended like some of these. But at the same time, I don't know... Eh, I don't know if it would have worked in the same kind of way. Yeah, maybe we just right. trust trust Ryan. He gave us the best right, possible right. product. <laughs> I'm going to go with no. Here with yes. Um, should we score this? We should. This was your pick. So I you score to. first. I'm going to call this an eight. And my score is also an 8. It's between like an 8 and an 8.5. I think that this is like a super enjoyable movie. I think that it's a movie that everyone can watch. The only reason it's not an 8.5 for me is because then we get into this like elevated art sort of cinema. And yeah. this film is exactly where it wants to be, but it is not art, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I was like just checking what was the last 8.5 that I uh, that I gave, and it was like Fire Will Come, and I this is not Fire Will Come. Yeah, it, it it's just playing in two different leagues. Yeah, yeah. So amazing. amazing what did I get to Fire Will Come? Uh, 8.5 too. Good for me. Yeah, that's a great movie. Uh. So, I, and Kill Bill, we both gave an 8.5. Because it was both of the Kill Bills. Oh, that's right. I was like, yeah, Kill Bill 1 should have been a 9. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we agreed. It was going to be only one movie. Uh, this is two movies, at least. So, this doesn't dictate what we're going to be like giving to Edward Norton's A Knife Out Mystery Glass Onion by Danny Craig. In fairness to Kill Bill Volume 1. Glass Onion is not a sequel sequel, it just takes place in the same universe. Correct. It has like one character. Yeah. That's that's fair. One character in common. Okay. Uh anything else to say about Knives Out? Just go see it. This is fun. Nobody regrets seeing Knives Out. Nobody. Where did you watch it? Uh Netflix on my tablet on the plane. Oh wait, no. I watched this at home on my enormous television. Knives Out? The original one word. Yeah, the original, original. Yes. I rented yeah. it from Amazon. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, because in Spain, they had it on, on filming. Oh, I should have used on my Netflix. VPN. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could have used a VPN. It's like I, I didn't realize how I was telling you this, but it's like, you know, it was like just when I saw the Glassonian was out, it's like, of course, Knives Out. It has to be on Netflix. It wouldn't make any sense. And they don't have the license here. Hmm. But they do in Spain. So. I mean, uh, so for next week, we're for next time, we're going to be like talking about Glassonium. This is pretty. I obvious. was gonna pick the Turin horse. I don't. <laughs> Fine, we'll watch Glassonium. <laughs> what was the name of the director of uh, Bellatar? Horse? 
Bellatar. Imagine a hot done it mystery by Bellatar. Oh, that's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> like seven hours. The resolution is going to be incredible. You know, it's going to be like five seconds of, of bliss, of ecstasy. But seven, yeah, seven hours, hours of. Uh... Yeah, crazy. Oh, who done it? No one. No <laughs> one did anything. But we're all miserable, and humanity is awful. Exactly. <laughs> okay, uh, to everyone out there listening to us, thank you so much. Happy New Year, if we didn't say it the previous time. And anything else that I should do? Wash your hands, unless you already have COVID, like me, and then you don't need to bother with that. <laughs> yeah, just enjoy COVID. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye.